I thought it might have been fun if we could have just put those up and then had you guys vote. Who do you think that is, right? Those are some great pictures. Hey, we're, I'm looking forward to this series that's starting next week. Um, it should be a lot of fun and hopefully interesting at the same time. Um, I hope that I can uh, offer some, some truths from the scriptures about um, our marriage relationships, about our friendships, about our family, and uh, just taking a different look at that and seeing what the Scripture has to say about how we can uh, grow closer together in our relationship with each other as we grow closer to the Lord. Because uh, that's what we've been talking about is our, our relationship with God and how that affects our relationship with each other and how our relationship with each other may affect our relationship with God. And so uh, looking forward to that, and hopefully you'll be uh, able to join us for those three weeks for that series. And if you want to see your picture up there, you just have to submit it. And the information's there. It's also on our website and different things like that. So excited about that. Today, uh, we are wrapping up our series uh, called Small Things Make a Big Difference. In this series, we've been looking at spiritual disciplines and how those are the, the small things in our life that can, can tend to make a, a big difference in our life and how really a spiritual discipline in its simplest form is anything that helps us in our relationship with God to grow closer to Him uh, through that process. Disciplines like reading the Bible and praying and worship, they cause us to grow, cause us to grow in our faith, and cause us to become more like Christ, more like His disciple. Uh, We've looked at the spiritual disciplines, and the reason they're called disciplines is because they provide a deliberate, self-imposed thing on us that help us when we would otherwise neglect our spiritual health. It's something that we do to make sure that that we continue to grow in that. And one of the main reasons that we engage in spiritual disciplines is simply because we love God and we want to draw closer to Him. And it's a simple thing that that we can do, a small thing that we can do, uh, to focus on the relational and qualitative aspects of God and not just the intellectual aspects of God. And so uh, spiritual disciplines, they just have this way of helping us simplify our faith, to make things on a basic level and to do those small things that can make a big difference. We've looked at reading the scripture, we've looked at prayer, we've looked at worship, and today we're going to wrap up our series uh, by asking this question and looking at what's first. And in order to get us going today, I need some audience participation, Um, and so I'm going to give you two different scenarios of what comes first and then ask you to vote either this one or that one, okay? So that's the, the question I'm going to ask. So does that make sense? If that makes sense to you, raise your hand. That you have to, okay? Some of you are like, no. So if your person next to you didn't raise your hand, you know, explain to them what's going on. So here's the thing. When you're taking a bath or a shower, what's first? Do you soap off your body first or do you shampoo your hair first? So how many, how many say uh, soap first? Okay, and shampoo first? And I'm guessing if you didn't raise your hand, you don't shower or bathe. And we'll... <laughs> Okay, so I was taught that you do shampoo first because it starts at the top and washes down. That's, I don't know if that's right or not, but that's, that's what I was taught. Okay, next question. Um, when you wear deodorant, which is assuming you do wear deodorant, I don't know, you, maybe you don't, um, do you put on your deodorant first? And by the way, if you wear this deodorant, props to you, right? <laughs> Bacon-powered deodorant, it's got to be great, right? Do you put on your deodorant first and then your shirt, your top, your blouse, whatever the female equivalent of a shirt is, do you put that on, or do you put on the shirt first and then put on the deodorant? How many people put on deodorant first? How many people put on the shirt first and kind of go up and through or whatever you do there, right? Okay, come on. Get it together, folks. Get it together, right? All right, what about this? When you're getting ready to go somewhere, let's say church on a Sunday morning, conveniently enough, and you know you need to leave the house by 9.30 to be here on time. 
Some of you are like, yeah, that would be right time. But, um, so do you, do you first, do you get ready and then do stuff around the house and everything else you need to get done? Or do you do all the other stuff and then get ready up into and past the time it's time to leave? So do you get ready? How many people get ready first and then do other stuff? Okay. How many of you do all the other stuff and then you're rushing to get ready and leave late? Okay. All right. There you go. All right. One more. One more to ask you. When you go to the movies, what do you do first? Do you go select your seats in the theater to make sure you get the right seats? And then go get your snacks? Or do you go get your snacks and then go select your seat? How many people are seat first people? Okay, how many of you are snack first people? I appreciate all the snack first people because that gives me a chance to go get your seat. So I'm just, <laughs> keep it up. I want to convert more people to that direction. So, uh, what's first? It's interesting to me how things seem to have a natural order to them, depending on, you know, your view and different things. But a lot of things have a natural order to them. And when, that's order, when that order is disrupted, often the results are challenging. And it results in challenging outcomes and situations. Jesus talks about in the scriptures what should come first. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus says these words, But seek first his kingdom and righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. So what's first? We are to seek what first? His kingdom and his righteousness, right? In this text, Jesus is indicating that he cares about what comes first. And, and today we're going to talk about being generous. And while I'm primarily going to talk about giving financially, this principle of giving, uh, of, of generous living applies to every area of our life. So to all help us think about what it means for us to be generous in our life, I, I, have, a, I have a favor to ask. Um, I need $100. So I'm asking, who would give me $100? $100 bill would be preferable. I'd appreciate that. Um, who would give me $100 right now? Not, not for the church, but for me. All right. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate that. That was easy. Maybe I should do that more often, right? All right. Thank you very much. So... Okay, so um, here's the deal. If you're new to PCC or if you're visiting for the first time today, I have an inkling to what you're thinking. <laughs> Great. Here we go. This church is just like any other church. All they really care about your, is your money. And I have proof now because the pastor got up and asked someone for money from the church and put it in his own pocket. Not for the church, not for offering, not for special events, not to feed the hungry or get someone to eat. No, for him. I put it, yeah, right? It's mine, right? So, um, I, I, yeah, right? And you're kind of going, I knew I should have stayed home today. Right? Of all the Sundays to decide to come to church, they're talking about money. And I don't like talking about money. I don't like somebody telling me that I need to give. I don't want, want someone telling me to be generous because I already know I'm supposed to give. But I just feel guilty because I probably don't give enough and there's what it's enough. And, it just, and, and, and I knew I just, I just knew I should have stayed home today at Super Bowl Sunday. I could have been watching all the preview stuff, right? I could have been doing all of that. But instead, I'm in church. He's going to talk about money and he's going to make me feel guilty. And I just, not in the mood today. And can I tell you that I really, really understand that? I really do because I don't like talking about money. I really don't. If you know me, you know that I don't and I never have. And yet, Jesus talked about money in the scriptures. He, he talked about it with his disciples and in his lessons, and so I know we need to talk about it as well. And, and so today, I want to look at what's first. 
And as we look at this area of giving, I, I really want to point out the fact that, that what's first really matters to God. So the first thing to talk about first is the idea of the firstborn and that the firstborn belongs to God. If you were to, to read in your Bibles in Exodus chapter 13, verse 2, you would find this important concept that it is one that we should understand as we strive to move forward. The text says this, Consecrate to me every firstborn male. The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether man or animal. God is saying that this belongs to me. A little later in this text, uh, he start, it talks about a donkey, right? Interesting thing to talk about, but it talks about a, a donkey, which is an unclean animal. It says the firstborn donkey belongs to God. And here's what you do with the firstborn donkey. You sacrifice it to the Lord. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what the text says. And the way you do that is you break its neck. That's what it says. Or the other option is you can redeem that unclean donkey with a clean, innocent lamb. So you either break the neck of this unclean donkey or you kill this innocent lamb and you allow its blood to redeem the donkey. The firstborn belongs to God. And when I read that in the text... I can't help but think in my mind, couldn't there be another way, right? Can we do this a different way, God? And then we see that the same principle is true when it comes to people. If if you go to Exodus chapter 12, you find the account of the Passover. The Passover is is still celebrated today as a time that God told the nation of Israel to go get a clean, uh, innocent, spotless lamb and to sacrifice that lamb and then to take the blood of that lamb and to put it on their doorpost, on the side and over the top of their doorpost, so that when the death angel came, it would pass over the houses that had the blood on because the blood of the lamb had redeemed the firstborn within that household. But if there wasn't blood on the doorpost, then the death angel would take the firstborn of everything that they had because it had not been redeemed. The firstborn belongs to the Lord. And the amazing thing about this in the Old Testament is that we see a picture of what Christ has done for us on the cross. Because there is no other way for us to be redeemed, Jesus, the Lamb of God, the perfect, the clean, the spotless, the the blemish-free Lamb of God, he was sacrificed for us and redeemed us. Scripture says, for without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. And through his death, he purchased our freedom and our forgiveness. He, He says that we belong to the Lord and we have been redeemed back to the Lord by the shedding of the blood of the lamb, the innocent lamb, the lamb of Jesus. What's first? Well, the firstborn belongs to God. That's the first thing to understand. The second thing I want you to understand, that is another first this morning, is that the first tenth belongs to God. Of everything that God gives us, he says the first tenth of everything, uh, that is in what we call in churches a, a tithe, it belongs to the Lord. Now, for those of you who uh, are, are really familiar with the Bible, you may start pushing back on me just a little bit to tell me that the tithe was an Old Testament concept and give all the reasons why it's no longer applicable in the New Testament and in our, in our time today. And I get it, all right? We, we could argue about that. We could talk about that. Uh, but here's what I'm going to ask. If you're starting to push back already, hang with me. Give me a chance to make a point. Don't get hung up on the legalistic side, and then you can disagree with me later, all right? Deal? Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30 begins with this. It says, a tithe of everything. And then it goes on to talk about uh, such things as land and grain and fruit and herds and flocks. A, a tithe of everything, a tenth of everything, 
text continues, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Now, I'm going to illustrate that this way this morning. How many of you out there, again, audience participation, uh, like chocolate chip cookies? Okay, that's a fair number of people who like chocolate chip cookies. Now, the real question is this, how many of you like the chocolate chip cookie dough better than the cookies? That's me, right? Now, I get it. You can get salmonella poisoning and probably die, but to me it's worth the risk, right? (laughs) And so here's what I need this morning. I need three volunteers to come forward this morning that love chocolate chip cookies. I got all day. There's one. There's two. And there's three. All right. Just stand right up. You're here. There you go. All right. So, um... In our house, we have, uh, my wife is an excellent cook, right? Uh, she's a baker, and she makes chocolate chip cookies. Too. So if you've had one of these cookies, you, you may like them. You may not. I don't know. I do. And so I would like to give to you 10 of Michelle's fresh baked, they're not quite warm anymore, chocolate chip cookies. All right? Good? Thank you. Okay, so here's the thing. Those were mine, right? And I gave them to you. Okay, so there you go. He said past tense no longer so. They're no longer mine. Okay? I'll, I'll go with that. I'll go with that. Here's what I would ask. Would you be willing to give me one of the cookies I just gave to you? Pretty simple to open. I've got a knife if need be, right? We can... No, just, just, just one. That'd be great. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, sure. Uh-huh. Now, thank you. Now, what you do with those cookies, entirely up to you. You could go sit down and you can unwrap them one by one and just enjoy them in front of everyone. You could share them. You could save them for later. They're yours. I've given them to you. All right? Would you tell them thank you? Now, the principle is this. Just passing them out. There you go. Make friends and influence people right there. Um, The principle is this. God says in Malachi uh, chapter 3, verse 10, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food. In my house, right? Now, when this scripture is brought up, you can get a lot of people arguing about what it really means, and and they can really protect their strongly held position. Some scholars would say that the storehouse is a picture of the New Testament church, and people are required to give a tithe, to give 10% to the local church they attend. Others would say that is a poor interpretation of the scriptures. But all of this points to the fact that, that giving, especially when we're talking about giving money, It is a really personal thing, isn't it? It's personal because, uh, I think, because there's a clear and obvious link between money and our heart. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so I'm not going to argue with you uh, over where you give because I firmly believe that if you're seeking the Lord in your life, that you will give. You will become generous. Because if you see giving as an obligation, as merely something that you have to do, to a church or a ministry or to a needy person or an organization, 
If you see it as something you have to do, then it's really only charity. If giving uh, is something you do simply to feel better about yourself when you file your taxes in April, then it's it's just charity. But when you see giving as something you do, as giving unto the Lord, then it has the potential to become something so much greater. It has the potential to become an act of worship. And when you worship God, then God has a piece of your heart, and he wants all of your heart. You begin to love him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind. You you become more like him. You grow in your faith. You are his disciple. You give, and in small ways, your faith grows. And those small things begin to make a big difference in your life. And it's not just about giving a tithe. It's about giving everything. It's a tithe of, of all things. It, it's, it's your time and your resources and your effort and your energy and your attention. It, it's giving your life. And yet here's what I know is true. We all struggle when it comes to giving all, especially giving all aspects of our life to God. We really do. And I know it's true because when, when we talk about giving and giving financially, here's what I know to be true. Not everyone here who attends PCC tithes or gives 10%. Now, let me be very, very, very clear, all right? I do not know what you give. I do not know what anyone here gives, so just relax. There are some people out there who think I do. They've talked to me about what they've given, and I'm like, I I just don't know. I make a point not to know. I don't want to know what you give. I want that to be a decision between you and God as you seek to honor him in your life. But I know not everyone here tithes because if everyone did, we would have a problem. We would have to figure out a way to give away and utilize a lot of money for the kingdom. There'd be a lot of money flowing in here that that we would have to figure out how to to leave this place. And that would be a great problem to have, wouldn't it? In talking with uh, George Whistler and Darren Lugat, our finance team, they shared some information that I found very interesting. They said this, that if each person gave $5 more each month than they gave last year, that would be an additional uh, over $10,000 additional in 2016, and that's $1.25 a week. If each person gave $20 more each month than they gave last year, $5 a week, that's $42,000 in additional income. $40 more each week than they, each month than they did last year, $10 a week. You guys can do the math. That's $84,000 in additional income in 2016. So what does this mean? Because to me, you can start throwing around numbers, and you can say whatever you want with those. But here, here I just want to go down this line of thought for just a couple of moments. What if we could invest the difference, if we all gave more, in expanding the impact of helping people discover and experience the life-changing love of Christ? What if we could increase the likelihood of connecting with more people by increasing our investment in communications? What if we could double our investment in our student ministry? How many young lives could we change if more participated in PYC and winter camp, like they where they are this weekend, uh, and CIY? What if we could draw more people into small groups and our adult Christian education classes? What if we could draw more children and their parents into classes and events? What if we could invest in our families, in our facilities, and upgrade our our building and our parking lot, our landscaping and technology? Would we touch more lives? Would we impact more people? What if we use the additional money to sponsor more mission trips? Would there be a compounding effect on those we help as well as those that go on those trips? What if we invested the additional money in helping those less fortunate in our congregation and in our community? What if we were able to invest in guest speakers and special events? Could we help inspire the community to come together to do more things and to truly understand what this life is really about? 
What if we could hire one of our talented interns and really invest in them as they serve and as they gain experience and as we really equip them for ministry moving forward? What if we invested in counseling so we could help people who are in crisis and save marriages or help those who are lost and lonely? What if due to helping people discover and experience the life-changing love of Christ, we attracted 20 more people or 40 more people or 100 more people to our Sunday service and they saw the generosity of those that were here and they wanted to be a part of that and they started giving? What if we were able to meet our our daily and weekly obligations, and that was a given, and then the ministries wouldn't have to worry about that, and they could just start expanding the kingdom and really focusing in on that, and I could go on and on and on with the things that we could do together. Just think about the possibilities. If we were willing to worship the Lord, and I'm talking about just a tithe, as Ian said last week, together we could make such A difference for the kingdom. The first tenth, the tithe, it belongs to the Lord. And I get it. I really do. I really get it. Some of you have never done this. You've never taken that step of faith. You've never sought to grow your faith in this way by becoming generous in your giving. And I I know you already feel like there's not enough to make ends meet. Michelle and I went through our budget last week, and it's just like, really? How does it go away faster than it comes in, right? It just seems to, doesn't it? The more you make, the more you spend, you think you're going to catch a break, and you don't, and you're just like, ah, you feel like you're always playing catch-up. And so when someone says, like the pastor, the preacher man up front, hey, you need to give 10%, you're like, yeah, sure. Good luck with that, right? But here's the thing. I I want to encourage you. Don't get hung up on a number. Don't get hung up on a percentage. Don't use the, well, I can't give 10%, so I'm going to do nothing excuse. Instead, think about what it means to be generous and what it means to give to God first, to give, to give generously and to make God the first thing that you do, the first place that you give. Not to give God what is left over, but what is first. And the reason that is important, because this is not about money. And I know we're talking a lot about money, but it's really not about money. This is about you, and this is about your faith. And it requires faith to give to God first. If you give to God last, if you give to God what's left over, that really doesn't require any faith, does it? We're to give to God first. That's important to God. So give. I want to challenge you and encourage you to select a percentage or to select an amount, and you give it each week or each month, and then you commit to giving it, and you give it first. Because if you don't give it first, you won't. There will always be a reason not to give. Amen, right? Isn't there? There's always a reason not to give, which is why it's so important that we have to give first. Because when you give first, that takes faith. And when you give first in your faith, it causes your faith to grow. You learn to trust God more and yourself less. You begin to rely upon him more and yourself less. You recognize that everything we have, it really all comes from him. So as we wrap up this morning, I have a question for you and a confession to make. All right, The first one is this. The question, did it bother you, even in the slightest, that I ask you, someone, to give me $100? Not the church, not the gifts, not the offerings, but to give me. If it did, you don't have to raise your hand. Just just nod your head. Did it bother you at all? And it's okay if it did. Because if I were at a church and the guy got up front and he was asking for money, it would bother me, frankly, right? So here's my confession. Before, uh, before I came up here this morning, I, I said to Jeff, who, there he is, he's in the back now holding his daughter. I said to Jeff, 
said, hey, um, here's $100. It's mine. And at some point in the service, I'm going to ask for $100. And would you be willing to give it back to me at that point? And you know what he said? He was like, sure. Right? And so when I asked, he willingly got up and brought it to me. Right? Why do you do that? You're smart people. Why do you do that? It didn't belong to him, did it? Who did it belong to? It belonged to me. The cookies gave them. For the most part, they willingly gave them back, right? Why? Because who would they belong to? It belonged to me. I, I mean, I gave them to you. Got it? I mean, it's such a simple concept when we really think about it. It's not ours. It's not ours anyway. I would suggest that you cannot give what you do not own. Jeff didn't really give me $100. He just gave back to me what was already mine. The hard part is this. Tithing is not really even giving. It's just returning to the Lord what's already his. He said the first tenth belongs to me. Man, if it was just that easy in our checkbook, right? Giving to God, it's important. And giving to him first is important. I believe it's important to God. God demonstrated the importance through his son, Jesus. Jesus was the lamb of God, the firstborn. And before we believed in what God did for us, he sent his son for us. He gave. He gave to us first to demonstrate to us how we are to give. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he what? He, he gave. And did he give a piddly amount? No, he gave his son, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, shall have eternal life. John, John 3, 6, 17 says, for God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but so that the world may be saved through him. Jesus gave his life. God sent him because of his love. Romans verse 5 uh, chapter 5, verse 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. First Peter chapter 1, verse 19 tells us that we have been redeemed, not by the things of the world, but instead with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Now, remember what I said earlier about the, the donkey, how you either had to kill it by breaking its neck or it had to be redeemed by the blood of, of a lamb? Well, guess what? You and me, we're the donkey. I don't know if you ever thought about yourself like that. You may have been called. Anyway, um, <laughs> you're, you're the donkey. I'm the, and you know what we deserve? We deserve to have our neck broken. But you know what happened instead? Jesus Christ, the lamb, shed his blood so that we could be redeemed. He gave his life so that we may have life. And that includes that we are to give back to him everything. We only have life because of his life for us. And so we're to give of our time and our talents and our thoughts and our prayers and our resources and our worship and our adoration and our love. He gave, and because he gave, we give to him. We celebrate, and we remember what he's done for us. And right now, we come to a time, as we do each week, where we celebrate and we remember 
what Christ did for us through communion. The ushers are, are getting the trays, one which has the, the bread which represents his body and the juice which represents his blood, the blood of the spotless lamb who gave his life so that we could have life. And so as the trays are passed today, as a believer, we invite you to participate, to celebrate, to remember, and to be thankful that because of his amazing love for us, we can have life. And because of our life, we are called to give back to him. And one of the ways we do that is we give back to him in worship and celebration as we remember what he's done. I'm going to pray and ask the ushers to pass the trays. You partake this morning. Father God, thank you so much that we're not condemned. We're not going to have our necks broken and, and be condemned forever. But instead, you gave your life. You redeemed us. You gave us life and life to the full. And so, Father, as we remember that, as we celebrate that, as we reflect upon that this morning, God, I pray that you would be with us, that we would be aware of your presence. We would see the things that you have done, the things that you are doing, and be thankful for the things that you will do. Father, God, thank you. Thank you for this time. We love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.